Hello and welcome back to the Living Imperfectly podcast with me, your host, Claire. This podcast is all about providing you with real, honest discussions on how embracing imperfection can be a helpful approach to improving our relationship with food, body image, exercise and navigating through our messy lives in general. If you're enjoying the podcast, please do me a wee favour and hit the subscribe button so you're first to know when I release a new episode. Today, I am joined by Fiona Morris. Fiona is a pelvic health physio and Pilates instructor, and she works both for the NHS and privately. Today, we're going to be talking about all things pelvic health. And to be honest, we ended up discussing so much more, mainly about supporting women better I feel this episode is a must listen to and I mean they all are but this one really is if you I I just feel that more women need to hear the messages that we have we discuss in this episode so please listen to this um I'll also share that I have been one of Fiona's clients in the past and can just tell how much she loves her job. Like you'll pick that up from this episode as well. She is so passionate about supporting women and she is someone that I highly recommend to women that are local to the Aberdeen area because she has a wealth of knowledge and is somebody that I, you know, contact if I need any support around helping my clients as well. So enough of my rambling, let's get started. Hello and welcome Fiona to the podcast. How are you doing today? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me along. Oh, I could not have you on. I mean, we put the the women's health, you know, rights to the end. Like when we every time we talk, it's like, right, what are we going to sort today? <laughs> so I had to get you on. And I think some of our chats in general are probably podcast worthy. So hopefully we can talk about all the things that we normally talk yeah we're just not out running on a hill somewhere or something yeah (laughs) okay so we're just going to get straight into it what are the common frustrations that women have with pelvic health and exercise and like whether that's due to postnatal or menopausal changes so I think I think with both, with postnatal and menopause, I think the biggest frustration is they often don't expect there to be any changes or problems or so especially postnatally, I think we're not prepared. So much is on the build up to or during the pregnancy and then the build up to the birth and how you're going to cope with this baby that we kind of forget about the other part of it that we're going to have to recover from everything that we've been through and I think even though we maybe have a bit of a a, an expectation that we're not going to feel ourselves for the first few days weeks I think most people really don't anticipate the changes that will happen um and I think part of that is because we we don't speak about it and I guess thinking back you know you go and visit a new mum with their baby and you're into the baby um and yeah you ask how they're doing but they're not really gonna honestly tell you how they're really doing unless you're really close to them and I think also we don't know what's normal so we don't know that how our pelvic floor is feeling whether it's the pain we're having or 
the leaking or whatever we experience we don't know if it's normal so sometimes the problem is that women just assume that that's what they're meant to feel like and then the other flip side of that is we have no expectation that we're going to feel like that so we think everything's horribly wrong so I think the frustration initially comes from lack of knowledge and lack of awareness and lack of being prepared and it's not because I mean there's information out there but you have to really look for it and you have to really sift through all the nonsense and and I think part of the reason we don't speak about it is because we don't want to scare women we don't want to tell them how they're going to feel after they've had a baby or about the things that might go wrong but actually there's a lot of research to say that if you're more prepared and you have an expectation of what could happen then regardless of what happens you will more than likely deal with it better um so I think the that's the initial frustration and I think that's the postpartum side and if I guess if we stick with that a little bit then the frustrations of when you then maybe realize actually okay something isn't right with me or okay it's not anything that's too unusual but it's going to take time then I think the next frustration can be how long that takes because we have in our heads this six-week check um which you know often doesn't happen now but we still have that six-week mark and I think we think by six weeks everything's going to be back to how it was regardless of the fact that you know we've been pregnant for nine months and you've given birth and maybe you've had a c-section and or maybe you've had a perineal tear or maybe you've had what looks like a straightforward birth so you think oh well everything should be fine but those tissues have still undergone a lot of changes and and mentally you've undergone a lot of changes and then there's the fact that you also now have this new baby that you have to look after which is depriving you of sleep stopping you from um eating and drinking in the way that you normally would so not only has your body changed but you now have got different demands on it and um you're also there's a lot of you know I think we think in those early days we're not doing anything but looking after a small baby is quite physically demanding and we're having to spend a lot of time sitting or standing in certain postures that our body's not used to and maybe we've gone from being very physically active right up until the end of our pregnancy and then we just feel so different afterwards and our how our life looks is very different afterwards and I think that would be another frustration is I see a lot of women who have been really active in pregnancy which is great and that does serve you well but it can't remove the fact that you've gone through pregnancy and giving birth however that looked and so I think a lot of those women are frustrated because they think well I did all of the right things and I still feel so weak and nowhere near how I did two weeks before and often they feel stronger at the end of pregnancy than they do four or five weeks postnatally um, and then I guess the other frustrations come from comparison comparing ourselves to other people and thinking oh, she's doing this and I'm only able to do this and I think again that comes back down to well one we just need to stop comparing but you know we're, we're human we're always going to compare it's remembering that your story is so different from everyone else's and you could have what looks like the same birth but your health was different before your life setup is different maybe they've got um in-laws or parents who live just down the road and they can take the baby for half an hour each day where you go out and you get to do a walk by yourself or or do a workout by yourself or maybe you have a 
another two other children that you're also looking after or maybe um you have a partner that works away for a couple of months at a time or weeks at a time you know every you know everything there's so many factors in aside from the physical side of things so and I think those of us who've had more than one pregnancy and more than one given birth more than once we also know that those don't look the same either so you could be you're exactly the same person but how you recover from one is so different so it's so it's really unpredictable and comparing really doesn't help you just need to stick in your lane I guess but um and then I think once we get back into that rehab the frustrations come from the time it can take but also like all rehab it's not linear so you'll feel like you're doing great and then quite often it comes from maybe say you want to get back to running and you get back to running and you're running I don't know 5k quite easily and we were obviously talking a few months down the line and it feels good and then you start to increase the distance or increase the speed and then you start leaking again and then you think well what is going on here and often what happened is you've got back to doing what you wanted to do and we've forgotten about the basics, the, you know, the pelvic floor rehab, the, the strength, whatever it is that you we were doing in the beginning that you were so focused on. Now we've got back to what we wanted to do. We forget about that. So sometimes the frustration is remembering that those basics are still often important, even when you're six, seven, eight months down the line or forever, really. Um, So I think, and then also, I guess, lack of, you know you've you've then got women who want the information and they want to know what they're doing and they go and ask for that help of okay um, they get a six-week check and they ask advice on can I go back to running quite often the advice is well did you run before yes okay then I'm sure you're fine to go and that's not good enough and I think either then you end up you know with women going out and doing things too early because they've been told yeah it's fine based on absolutely nothing or you get the opposite where women are told, well, don't lift anything. You can't be, you know, you're only six weeks since you had a C-section. You shouldn't be lifting anything. You shouldn't really be doing any exercise. And you get women who then are too scared to do anything because they don't know what they can or can't do. So there's the frustration from getting good quality information or knowing where to get that information from. Or having a concern, going and speaking to a healthcare professional about it and then kind of being dismissed and told well that's just normal you've had a baby so how about you just don't run try swimming instead or you know and that's not good enough either not that there's anything wrong with swimming if you want to be swimming great but if you want to be running then swimming is not going to be your thing so it's it's the lack of information um so that's probably the postnatal part and then the menopause and perimenopause part as you know, is like a whole other other area. And I think that the information for the postpartum part, it, it's getting there, we're getting better. And I think women are speaking about it, but the menopause is still so much thought of as something that's just for older women that we don't speak about because you just, you know, you just have to grin get and bear it. it. Yeah, get on with it. <laughs> get on with it it's it's an it's a natural thing so you know if you're complaining it's a bit like the periods if you're complaining about it then there's something wrong with you and you're not good enough at just getting on with things so I think there's that's a big frustration because I think that stops women from getting the help that they need because they think that they're 
they, they, sh they just should be getting on with it and if they're not managing it comes back to that comparison again well why is their friend managing okay and they're just really not and then that must be something wrong with them and I think when you're in that stage where your hormones are all over the place and your emotions are all over the place and you're maybe not dealing with um stress as well you've got more anxiety then you're going to be thinking perhaps even less rationally about it than you would be at other times so that then clouds your judgment of how you're dealing with things and what you should and shouldn't be doing I think there's a lot of fear around um hormone replacement still um not just with the general public but also with healthcare practitioners not knowing what to advise and, and and not just fear but also not lack of knowledge so it's not for something that 50% of the population go through so you know not everyone has a baby but 50% of the population will go through menopause and whether that is a natural menopause or a sur surgically or medically induced menopause all women will go through at some point so you would think that it should be quite high on the priorities of what um GPs are taught about but again it's not unfortunately and yes we have specialists in this area but those specialists there's not enough of them and they're not easy to access especially if you're not able to pay for that advice um, and we shouldn't have to pay for that advice when it's something that happens to to all women um so there's there's the frustration then around okay maybe for months you've you've thought something doesn't feel right you've maybe even gone to the effort of kind of tracking what that looks like tracking your symptoms finding out about yourself because often when I speak to women who've got concerns about menopausal symptoms they haven't just woken up one day and thought I don't feel right I'm going to get help they've thought about it for a really long time they've looked into it you know they they know their bodies and they know what doesn't feel right um, so then they go armed with all this good information and quite often, more often than not, they get offered, well, they're maybe dismissed, they're told it's probably just stress, they're told let's try some antidepressants or let's try some sleeping tablets or go and get some more fresh air, sleep more, eat better and, and these things are important. We know that. We know that all of the lifestyle changes are important. But if you're lacking in the hormones you need and that's affecting you, then you might also want to consider some HRT. And if you have plucked up that courage to go and ask for that or even say you think this might be the problem and you get dismissed, it's going to take you a really long time to build up that courage again. Unless you... You know, I guess often this is where when I'm seeing patients, I'm saying to them, no, I completely I had this conversation last week with someone who she thought that her symptoms were probably perimenopausal. And I 100 percent agreed. And then we actually spoke through some of the other things that was going on with her. And I said, you know, these are also probably related to it. So she then had the confidence to go and ask. And I don't know what will come from her asking if it's that she doesn't get the answers she needs, then she's going to need a bit of you know backing to go and say go and try someone else so I think there's the frustrations around peri and postmenopause are huge and I think they also don't just come from healthcare professionals they come from other women I hear it you know people saying oh well I was fine you know I, I sailed through it you know I just kind of got on with things and or I think there's a I don't know why but there's a lot of 
if you've not had the same experience, then people struggle to to recognize that someone else might have, have, have a totally different experience. And I think having taking HRT is often seen as a like a weakness, like you've not done well enough yourself. So you need to give in and get the medication. And it's the same with the pelvic floor side. If you know some women do end up needing surgery or they need to use a pessary or they need to use some support underwear or something like that and often that's seen as a failure um and I can't think of anywhere else in the health world where if we didn't do something if we didn't get better by what we tried ourselves we would see it as a failure you know you don't go in for a gallbladder surgery and feel bad because you didn't look after your gallbladder enough or I mean maybe yeah your diet's not been great but you know these there's are mm. genetic factors and all the other things we don't even if we break our ankle or something we maybe get annoyed about it but we don't we don't think well if yeah we it's just not the same and for some reason all of these things with women's health issues we end up blaming ourselves and so so often I'll have women ask me you know especially if we're thinking about prolapse so where one of your pelvic organs isn't is no longer in the right place it's come down a little bit and it's really common and I'll have women asking me okay if I do all these exercises am I going to stop it from getting worse and yes often they will help but I always caveat that with caveat that with but if it doesn't it's not because you haven't done enough because then you end up with all these women thinking, well, if I just done my pelvic floor exercises an extra once every day, I wouldn't be in this situation. And it's so multifactorial. It's not just one thing. And it's the same with birth. Like we blame ourselves because we didn't have a vaginal birth. We blame ourselves because we had a tear. If I'd, if I'd done this before, or if I'd said this at this point, and I, I really, I don't know, but I think that's a big issue around it too, is if we stopped blaming ourselves for all of these things then we would feel a lot better about them oh Um, 100 we shame ourselves we blame ourselves we criticize ourselves but and I don't think that we deliberately mean to like what you were saying there about how women say oh well I I didn't go through that or it was fine we I don't think that's it's now I don't think that's meant in like any harmful way but sometimes I think it's just a lack of maybe awareness that we have as individuals that like you have mentioned there is so many variable variables throughout everything everything in life really that it's hard to say well this is exactly how it's going to be for everybody like that's just unrealistic and do you think that's maybe why there isn't the right maybe the the enough information that kind of explains that all in one place that it could be this it could be this it could be this I think it might be because it's variable but I think it might also be because I guess it's around empowering women to understand themselves and I think historically that's that's not been what's happened so there there's like there's that's probably part of it and then also it's the not wanting to worry people if we don't tell them about what might happen or I think it's also about and I think maybe the other reason that we subconsciously or without meaning to we we kind of almost make it a competition about how well we deal with things is because 
as a woman, if you have to take time off because of your periods or if you're having struggling cause menopause, these are all things that are seen as a weakness. So we're always constantly trying to not be seen to be weak. And so by birthing better or by dealing with the menopause better, that's us showing that we've not we've been okay and we've managed to keep going and we're not that weaker sex. And I think oh yeah that's part of it. Yeah, it's the, just the, the weaker sex thing. Yes. And I think I see a lot of that. Like I think it's maybe generational because maybe people that are are like maybe our mums kind of above us have had there's a change and they've kind of pushed that like we are not the weaker sex so now you've got a bunch of women who are trying to like prove that they are not the weakest sex and do all the, the roles that a woman is expected to do which is never ending and also just be this badass woman who's just you know career you know everything everything that you can possibly do in life they've got it all on their shoulders and yes without meaning to be competitive and say look I'm absolutely bossing it at everything um and also the perception we do that to ourselves we look at other people like you said before about comparing and we say oh well how come they're doing it how come they're doing it I want to know how they've got it all but have they got it all? That's the question. No. And, and I think like a prime example of this was, so I didn't go into pelvic health till after I had my daughter. And that was nearly 10 years ago. Um, and because at that point, I didn't, I didn't know how much we didn't know. And so in my pregnancy, I, I, I was pretty sick, but I managed to keep pretty healthy and active. And I was prepare like I was like I can do birth I'm you know I'm going to be great at this because I had no reason to think I wasn't going to be good at it and I did go into it you know with a positive mindset I ended up having a c-section which I was okay with because I'm I wasn't I didn't also have that concern of like I didn't really well I was going to say I didn't feel like I had failed because I didn't have a vaginal birth. However, I went into my second birth determined I was going to have a V-back. So I probably did have that mentality, but I had my C-section. And then at five days postnatal, no, a week, it would be a week because I was in hospital for a few days. So almost a week. We didn't live here at the time and we had um, relatives come over to visit and we wanted to go and see the sites of where we now lived and I was like yeah I can do this at like seven days postnatal after a c-section and off we went into the town I forgot to take the painkillers with me and um, which I was still needing which was probably a, the first sign that I shouldn't have been going off doing this I wanted to show off my baby and show how well I could do and that nothing was going to stop me I remember like I was still obviously bleeding quite heavily. So I think there was a few trips to the bathroom where I had to sort that out. We had to to get some painkillers. Oh no. So then we had to go into my husband's office, which was three floors up. That was at the point where I was like, this was probably not a smart idea. And then we spent the day going around this, this park and things. And I remember not that long ago, actually, my mother-in-law was talking about... Um, someone else who'd had a baby recently and how they were taking things easy and they hadn't really been out much and the baby was a few weeks old and and I said yeah but that and she said 
but look at what you were doing. And I was like, yeah, I was stupid. They're doing the right thing. They're doing what they should be doing. But there again, and and she didn't know what an awful day I'd had that day because I didn't tell her. And thankfully, there was no long-term negative consequences for me. And second time around, I took it way slower. But I didn't have that knowledge. I didn't know that pushing myself wasn't the right thing to do. And I also thought that that was proving how well I was doing by doing that. But then that also was perpetuating someone else's perception of what you should be able to do which then was impacting how they were probably speaking to someone else about it so I think if we were all just a bit more honest about how awful we feel and how bad it is then and look it's not always you know I didn't I don't think I think because sometimes I see women who are also saying to me don't feel as bad as I thought I was going to and that's great you can feel good and not feel as bad but that's always going to be a positive, isn't it? If you feel better than you think you're going to. But I think if we were all just honest about all of these things, then it would open more space for other people to be honest. And then nobody would feel like they were failing because they weren't off doing stupid things one week after they'd given birth. Yeah. And I mean, that is a hard thing to do. It's been allowing yourself to be vulnerable. Um, but I do think that actually, once you start to do that at the level that you feel comfortable it definitely has a rippling effect where others around you in your kind of inner circle even then start to say actually yeah that makes sense like oh yeah I thought that or I normally I thought that I felt that oh yeah I've heard that before and kind of comes out and it's just trying to manage that but even if I think sometimes if it goes the other way with like fear mongering where there's where you go to like because the, there's always going to be a flip side of somebody mm. going like absolutely I remember being pregnant first time round the amount of fear mongering stuff that I got it was crazy like I'm pregnant I, I don't need to hear your horror stories yeah um, like I don't know if I'm gonna that's not gonna that's not helpful um you know <laughs> could you just tell me some maybe more help, practical things to deal with instead of just like, oh, and that way, you know, just like your whole body is going to get destroyed. That's that's kind of the messaging that I uh, got. Or you can just say goodbye to that body of yours. And it's like, come on, like it's too extreme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it's, yeah. And isn't it interesting though as well that like people are more than, I don't know, everyone is so protective of you when you're pregnant. But the same doesn't happen when you've given birth. Like, oh. you get, you know, it's it's almost... Because then the protection is still about the baby rather than about you. But yeah, I agree that there there's definitely a balance. And I think that becomes a competition too, though, doesn't it? Of yeah. everyone telling their most horrific stories. Because look what I went through. Yeah. And almost to justify why you didn't manage to deal with it that well. And... Again, I think we just need to, and I say this as having been one of the most competitive people, and I still am competitive in a lot of ways, but we shouldn't be competing with other women on these things. We should just be supporting them. And you're right, talking with our friends about it, and I feel like I'm the one now that messages when someone has a baby and is like, congratulations, but how are you doing? Do you feel like you've been run over by a bus? Do you, you know, this will get better. And I think it's, it's having a bit of, it's 
yeah I think it's just knowing that everyone is different and and knowing that yeah you things might not go to plan but there's help out there if it doesn't go to plan um and just getting the balance of that information I think as well like especially if you have perfectionist traits it can be quite an adjusting time totally can't relate um but like (laughs) um you know just if you're used to especially like what you were saying before if you're used to like high training volumes and working to a plan and everything being perfect and then you've got this your whole world turns upside down and you're expecting your recovery to be in this lovely linear um you know I just do all the work and then that's just what happens and you know blah 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 I met I honestly remember googling (laughs) I remember googling how quickly can I get back to running and it was like six weeks um which is what I did the first time and then I was like how quickly um well then when I started to leak I was like how quickly does it stop do you stop leaking and then it came up with a whole load of nonsense and then um it's just little things like that that you're just you put these like what you said before about the six week you put these markers it's the same with even like the returning to running guidelines and I always stress this with my clients a guide a guideline is not an individual you know it's it's a starting point it's something to work with so that we've got something um instead of just anything goes um it's just it talks you through like what you would kind of be looking for and thinking about but it doesn't it's not set in stone those timelines yeah Um, and I wish I wish that I had got told that before like these are it's a guide it's not a individual this is going to be this this is going to be this at this point um don't work like that (laughs) yeah I think it's and you're right about the guidelines I often and I think they're brilliant but yeah I've I've really started to make sure I say, you know, because sometimes when I, if people are coming, if women are coming for a, a postnatal appointment, they're only coming at eight, nine, ten weeks, three months. So they look at that and be like, well, I'm not doing any of those things. And I say, yeah, but that's fine. You're This is where you're starting from. And these are like the, the minimum, you know, this is, you shouldn't be trying to do these things before this point. But if it takes you a year to get through the guide, and the all the points then that's fine it's just about a progression and also knowing when something doesn't feel right and when you need to scale it back a little bit as well yeah and it's not being afraid to do that like challenge those perfectionist traits if you have that you know type of thinking or 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 if it's all or nothing you're like oh it has to be all of those like you know your rehab your return back to exercise and however that looks it's it's never the best laid plans are you know can it's great having a plan but there has to be some self-compassion and flexibility and asking for help and I think that kind of combination is going to help you because then it's just this constant like if you're all or nothing you're like full throttle everything's going and you're not really thinking about other factors and then something happens you have a little setback and then you go completely nothing 
Whereas this lovely middle ground, which I talk so often about, it's so dull for a lot of us, mm-hmm. grey, beige, magnolia, whatever shade you want to make it. But actually that sweet spot is where a lot of good stuff happens. It's just about getting to that balance, which again, looks so different every day for everybody. <laughs> yeah, and even even now, my children are nearly 10 and nearly eight. And um, only in the last couple of years since I've been working with my own coach, have I really started to kind of, I'm wanting to be more, the reason I want, I started was because I wanted to be more consistent with my exercise and really, so now each week I'm tracking what I'm doing. And honestly, there is very few weeks where something doesn't go, where there is something that doesn't go to plan that affects what I'm doing. You know, like it's made me realize actually how hard it is. And this is, you know, they're not babies who are up at night and teething and, and they're not really sick that often, but there's just so many variables to keeping things co- to, that are make it hard to keep things consistent. So in those early days, yeah. And then it's the same, I think, with the peri and postmenopausal women. You know, that's another stressful time of life, depending when you're reaching there. But you perhaps a lot of women have older children or children that are in so children are in secondary school or they have more elderly parents who are needing their attention plus they're maybe in the like depths like the of their career you know like they've they've maybe just not long kind of really pick things back up again if, if that dropped off a bit after having children so there is a lot of stuff going on that's impacting on everything and I think I guess life is I guess from the moment you have children, if if you have children, there's always going to be a lot more variables than there was beforehand. Yeah. And even if you, even if you have a lot of support around you, you still have that extra weight on your shoulders of the expectations of being a mum. Um, you know, you can have like that equal or not that I think it's ever equal, fully 150% like with you and your partner, but there is always this extra thing that mums have to do. Like mums are added to the email list. It's a mum's WhatsApp group. It's a mum's whatever. You know, it's always like, even if you have support, it's just that extra stress and expectation that drives me insane sometimes. But it's just, I think it, and then you're going through these stages in life, different stages, I think. That's how I view it anyway. It's different stages. Like I'm entering a new stage right now of perimenopause. And it's like, right, let's embrace this. Who knows what it's going to be? But let's not get carried up in the expectations of society. I'm going to just do what we need to do as a family in our little bubble. And people's going to talk, people are going to talk about me anyway. <laughs> That's how, I, that's how I view it people are going to talk about me if if I do good in their eyes or if I don't so I'm just going to go with what I think's best and it's probably going to be rocky anyway <laughs> I don't know I think sometimes that can be helpful just to let that go you know let it go um but then again that's individual as well like that's my perception and my view and for that, for somebody else, might be so extremely hard to do or 
just feel so wrong that it's like no you know so I think sometimes bearing in mind that as well because that's probably going to go into the comparison isn't it yeah and then we've not even touched on the whole guilt of taking that time out to do exercise for yourself or you know to go off on that run or that bike ride or and I think you know we've got to a point now where like sometimes I'll say I think I might need to go for a run and they're like yes please go for that (laughs) run because when I come back they know when I come back I'll be less shouty mum and nicer mum and and I realized myself that I need those things too so mostly I managed to get past that guilt now but I think that is a big one um for mums is you know getting yeah some some it's it's really interesting because obviously people are so different and some people come in and they know they know that exercise is what they need and they know that if they do that they will be a better mum or a better wife or whatever um but then there's the others who maybe you struggle because you're breastfeeding you can't get away from the baby or you haven't yeah you haven't got someone there that you you're happy with leaving the baby with and all of those things kind of play into it as well so it's easy to say well don't have guilt go and do the things but maybe it's about adapting it so that because I guess there's I always ask people about like for your ex say it's a, a strength session do you like to do that at home do you like to go to the gym and you'll get the people who used to go to the gym but now they've got children it's much easier to just be at home so that if the baby needs fed they can be there and they're okay and that's what works for them and then you've got the other people who going to the gym whether even though they're not doing anything like they used to do before they had the baby just leaving the house and being in the gym is what they need so it's working out you know it's not just about the exercise it's about how that what that gives you and how you make that work and does that look different and I think you touched on it before about it doesn't have to be all or nothing maybe you used to go and train five days a week for an hour in the gym and now you only get to do 15 minutes 10 minutes in a day but that that's not going to last forever and it's just knowing that that's still something that's good it doesn't look like it did before but it's what's going to happen at this at this stage and you're so right about being different different stages and each stage can feel really long when you're in it but um yeah. it actually doesn't usually doesn't last that long yeah I think it's you know we've kind of touched on it a few times it's just allowing that flexibility in things so you know and sometimes you need to even have flexibility in the flexibility like factors you know and it just doesn't always go perfectly is probably a good way to sum it up but yeah I do like you know some of my clients they they need to come and see me they're like I need an hour where I don't get called mummy um mm. and like I don't care what we do in here we could just sit in here I don't care I just need that hour and then I've got you know some mums that like a bit of a combination of things and then we've got some mums that yeah they they want to be there close by their family and for whatever reason that like it just works for them and I think that's great as well there's no it, however it works and also how do you like to move your body in that where that stage where you're at like what are you enjoying what are you wanting to work towards 
um, knowing that, for example, returning to running, it's in that, especially that early stages, if you are running, you've run for however long before, it's kind of knowing that it's okay to have some time out from something that you enjoy and have a bit of focus about, okay, and get excited about returning to that thing, but just doing the basics, which you kind of talked on like at the beginning is that basics will always serve you well. Um, I think that can be helpful. It's not forever that you're going to have this break. And sometimes a break is refreshing um, and it makes you want it more, I think. Yeah, I guess it reminds you why why you want to be doing that. And um, and I think anything you do in the early stages that is building those foundations, it's unlikely to slow down your progress overall. You might take a little bit longer in those first few weeks and months, but that should mean that overall you get to where you want to go to. Whereas if you rush and do it too quickly and forget about the basics or ignore those signs that maybe it's too much, then likely you're going to have to take a little bit longer probably to get to where you want to, unless unless you are just ignoring what's going on with your body. And I think, I think that's something that maybe needs to be spoken about too, because yes, okay, so I would say that you shouldn't be leaking when you're running but there might be a point where that running is so important for your mental health Mm -hmm. that you do need to wear a pad for a little bit or you know it's I think we can have I guess it comes back to the perfect thing doesn't it like we can we can have our ideas and yes I would always say you know if something's not right with your pelvic floor then the best it's not the best to just keep ignoring that and go on but you know maybe for some women we do need to say okay well yes this isn't ideal but getting out and you know getting into that fresh air and and you doing something that makes you feel more like you again is important so maybe we can't get you completely leak free but we can modify how it is and it can still make you feel good and or maybe you need to use some support wear or or a pessary. Um, and a pessary is what supports, if you've got a pelvic organ prolapse, it goes into the vagina and supports the, the pelvic organs. And often women will see that as a failure because they've not managed to fix things themselves. Again, why we think that, I don't know. But, you know, that it, it's maybe thinking, well, okay, it's not going to be exactly as it was and I might need to do something in the meantime but we can't I guess we need to watch that we don't hold women back from doing what is really important to them to get everything perfect before they go back and do it yeah I mean god I think about the work that we did together after my second it was very you know there was (laughs) it was definitely not linear but I just remember you you know I had pain on some some things downhill. I remember, I remember that downhill. Every time I go down the line, that hill still, <laughs> you know. And it's thinking, okay, well, I like to run in the hills. <laughs> That's where I want to be, but I'm not quite ready for that. But I could do flat, and then we work on testing that and working towards that. 
and then every downhill is like right okay today it's going to be the day and sometimes it was <laughs> and sometimes it wasn't and then playing around with a different even like the ground I found it fascinating because that's not how it was obviously the first time round. so it was a new learning for me but I was still running so I was getting that kind of fix I needed yeah it was working with what I wanted but and towards what I really really wanted um and being okay with that middle middle ground um and it was just kind of working towards that whereas I think back to the first time around where it was just zero to a hundred let's go and I'll just knock out 5k uh on day one <laughs> seven weeks postpartum and, and you know leaking and you know feeling like nothing was in control well that's normal I've had a baby and we normalize it um and we just say well that's just part and parcel so just crack on I guess it goes back to what we were saying before but like what are the kind of common things that we tend to normalize and and then just push on with things without getting the help and support I think so yeah that's exactly what you you just said is the is the leaking is often women will be will say well I'm leaking and actually any leaking either in pregnancy or postnatally is not something that is to be expected it's very common but and I've kind of moved away we used to I've always say it's it's common but not normal but I don't like that phrase of it not being normal um so it's not expected that you will leak it's not something that you should just assume is going to happen it doesn't mean that there's something disastrous happening because you because you are and that's that's the flip side you know like I see such a spectrum of women women who've been running for years and leaking and it's only because their friend has said I don't really think that you should be you know you should go and see about that it's not been bothering them and then you've got other women who never leak but are just really worried about leaking or they maybe leak a little bit and to them all they think is this is just going to keep getting worse as I get older and you know I'm going to be very incontinent and have to wear pads and you know there's two sides two extremes to it but I think um so often it is normalized that once you've had a baby and the more children you have then you will leak urine and that's just what you have to put up with or as we get older and I don't think it's always spoken about in terms of the menopause it's just thought of as an older woman's thing that you'll leak urine so again those would be the things that are normalized or so often women will be like oh well yeah I can't go on a trampoline and it's just accepted that that's just what happens after you had a baby you you shouldn't you shouldn't expect to be able to do that um, because your pelvic floor can't withstand it anymore. So that's it. You just don't go near the trampolines. And I always joke that I should put a poster up in the trampoline park. And, you know, because you do see it, all the women, not all the women, but a lot of women not on, you know, sitting at the side. And and I think, you know, it might not, you know, some women are not bothered that they can't go on a trampoline, but it's more the, it's just the fact that it's normalized that once you've had a baby, you shouldn't be able to do it. So that would be a big one. Um, and also that pain, pain is a big one, pain with sex. And this is not always in relation to having a baby. I see a lot, quite a lot of young girls who have never been pregnant, you know, in their sort of early twenties, that sex has always been painful and they just assume that that's normal either 
they don't even think that there's necessarily something wrong with them. They just don't know any different because they've not, because you don't tend to speak about these things when you're 15, uh, 17, not that you should be 15, 17, 18, you know, you don't speak about these things with people. Um, and it's embarrassing and who are you going to talk to about it? And it's not until, well, I think there are a lot of girls out there who are having painful sex and still don't know it's it's an issue. And then you get women who it becomes an issue after they've had a baby and that might be due to scar tissue. It might be due to changes in the muscles in terms of often when we have a C-section that can those are, that scarring and adhesions can cause some tension in the pelvic floor muscles or it might be that you've had um, a traumatic birth. It might be that you have a history of abuse. All of these things can factor into painful sex, pain inserting a tampon, or just pelvic pain in general. And so I think often, and, and also around periods, which is a whole other topic, um, periods should not be as painful, so painful that you can't go to school or you can't go to work and you can't function. Um, yeah you might get a little bit of a cramp and you know you want to eat a bit of chocolate and just be on the sofa and those kind of things but debilitating having to constantly take painkillers <laughs> that's also not normal and often that gets normalized too um, and that it can be this is a whole other topic but it could be related to endometriosis so I think pain <clears throat> is another topic another area that just gets and just accepted and, and and then lastly I've sort of spoken about pain after sex but also uh, not after sex after giving birth but pain peri and postmenopausally during intercourse is another big issue um lots of women um in their 50s 60s are putting up with uncomfortable sex that doesn't feel good because they just think that that's what happens when you get older because they don't I guess because they don't want to say no to their partner and so they're either not telling them it's uncomfortable or their partner is not caring enough to be bothered that it's uncomfortable and also because they don't they're embarrassed about it and and people have a lot of older people have a lot of stigma around using lubrication I, I don't really know where that comes from but um I guess it's maybe just something that's more widely known and used and nowadays but um and again often women might go to their I say often I, I've heard it quite a few times you know they'll go and say that they're having painful sex and they'll be told you know, just have a glass of wine so that you relax a bit more of course um and <laughs> yeah um, and and you know and again we put it on ourselves that it's our problem um but so that would be another one is so with all of these if you're thinking the yeah I'm having pain um, sex is painful whatever stage you're at physio can help and if you're younger it's not likely due to be to be due to the changes in tissues it could be that you might have something called vaginismus and you need to a bit of help on how to relax pelvic floor muscles it might be related to stress postnatally it might be that you just need a bit of help on how to massage the um pelvic floor muscles and the vaginal tissues you might need a little bit of estrogen if you're breastfeeding and peri and postmenopausally the same thing estrogen can really help with those tissues but so can lubrication and so can um, vaginal moisturizer so I guess the main thing with all of those is you can get help sex shouldn't be painful
Yeah, that's the thing. It might be something that happens, but you don't need to suffer. Um, and that there are things out there, but it is about trying to get that support in, in the right way, which is the, the barrier. But so what advice would you give to women who to empower and enable them to train and move in a way that they want to? So I think it's a big question. I think it's about if we're thinking specifically in terms of if there's a pelvic floor dysfunction that's stopping them. So leaking, heaviness, prolapse, pain, then it's go and get some help for that. So whether that is going to GP, first of all, and asking for a referral to pelvic health physio. Um, and there should be a pelvic health physio in everyone's area. Um, there might there may be a bit of a waiting list, but um, so if if you can, if you're able to go privately for it, then that is an option. There's pelvic health physios working privately, um, or if it's that you you know what the issue is and you're working on that, but you then need a bit of help with the sort of progress of it and maybe you know some physios have a, a special interest in getting people back to exercise and training others maybe not as much so if you feel like you're not getting enough from that it might be that you have a coach that can help you and if you have a coach you need to tell them about the issues you're having too so I think that's a big barrier for women is we don't say that we don't want to do the burpees because we leak when we do the burpees or maybe it's not a coach maybe it's a class you're going to an exercise class postnatally or you know any any class a big barrier for women is if they're worried that they're gonna leak or or even passing wind that's a big one in pilates and yoga you know um it can be difficult to control wind so it's if there's something that's stopping you either and if you're not comfortable about talking with it with the instructor it's about getting the help but if it's that you need some adaptations to feel confident in that class or you I guess it's having the conversations and if you don't get the response from the person you're speaking with that you need then maybe you need to be working with someone else as well um, someone who does understand because if they don't understand and they're not prepared to find that knowledge get that knowledge then they're maybe not the best person for you and then in terms of life fitting around it it's kind of I don't like to say lowering expectations because I think we should still have expectations of what we want to be doing but maybe those expectations need to look a bit different and so it's it's talking it's it's finding the the barriers and then finding out what can help so is that asking someone asking a family member can you watch the baby for half an hour so that I can do this workout because I'm not because they're not sleeping they're not napping long enough for me to do it so it's not being afraid to ask because that's an important thing if you were having to go for a doctor's appointment you would ask potentially for someone to help you watch the baby so this is the same thing as looking after your health so it's asking for the help it's also I guess you can do these things say we're thinking of you've got a new baby it's you know that baby is totally fine 
lying on a mat beside you if they're you know if they're happy for 15 20 minutes while you work out they don't need to you know that's like something that's a great thing for them to watch and in pilates classes with the babies they love it so it's the baby can be involved in it um and then um yeah i think it's just knowing that it might look different but also that it's not always gonna you will get usually you will get back to the things that you want to be doing so it's if there's something stopping you get the help for that make sure you've got the right people around you that are supportive and um kind of just working out with working that it'll look a bit different just now does that answer the question yeah I feel like I went off on a bit of a tangent it does and I think the big one is definitely like who who you have around you um fill your circle full of people that are going to help you I think another thing as well that can sometimes be helpful like you know if we're in we go to mum's groups and we're in whatsapp groups and all that kind of stuff but it's actually about you know sometimes even like tag teaming with like another mum can be really helpful like say if you don't if you don't have support around you like that can be so good you could have you know right could you look after your baby at this time and then I'll repay the favor because that's kind of another thing that we do as mums we generally speaking you know we try and help each other but we have to ask to get to yeah so we don't know and um, or even we say it now oh yeah I'll say help or yeah and you do mean it but then the other person's oh I don't want to bother them it's like even though they've said they can help so it's take the help when somebody's offering it um and also ask for it as well so just kind of work as a as a team what is the saying about you can't walk oh, I can't I'm actually totally forgot but it was something about your it takes a village yeah that's the one yeah. <laughs> I knew it, was yeah. it takes a village but you know it has to kind of work both ways so I think kind of being okay with that is good because we don't all like we've like talked about several times throughout the episode is that we don't all have the same level of support but we can reach out and ask for it so yeah I think that's a great thing I think to add to it as well about if you don't get kind of the support you get the first time around it's yeah 100% agree with you like keep advocating you know for for more ask questions like get curious ask questions look at things um and yeah when you're working with a coach I always say you know ask if they're pre and postnatal qualified you know ask there are qualifications people coaches pts there are people that specialize in areas and just ask like do you have this qualification or do you have an understanding in this subject and if it's no and they don't really know how to support you then yeah they they, they may not be the right person i mean they might but they, they might not so it's just trying to figure that out um so yeah I think yeah on that point as well if you're either going back to work with a coach after you've given birth or you're starting with someone or even going to class and if they're not asking you anything about your birth your pelvic floor your you know your core if they're not asking you if they're just asking you the same questions that they asked you or would have asked you before you gave birth and if they're just still trying to train you in the same way then then I think you need to be questioning that a little bit too because there 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 definitely has to be 
adaptations and differences no matter you know how well you're doing so I think yeah it's and I don't we don't like to and it's not you know as well sometimes that can be a learning opportunity for them I mean they don't know what they don't know and we can't all but I think it's a chance for them to if they if they're interested in that area because I think there's I might be wrong, but I think there's variations in the postnatal qualifications that you can do, and the yes. So yes, I think there it's, is. It's a, there's a broad <laughs> spectrum, and um, it's it's knowing, you yeah. know, it doesn't mean that they're not a good coach, but they might not be the best coach for you at that time. Yeah, I, I that is a very valid uh, thing to say about the qualification side of things. It's like a lot of the fitness industry there's not um there's not necessarily like monitoring of a lot of things so I think my advice to that is I mean I know from my personal experience from the qualification that I got for pre and postnatal my feedback to the course was that is not enough and I'm qualified, I got that qualification, but what I did with that is then I went and educated myself further because the, I knew that that was not enough. Um, but I only knew that wasn't enough because I was in the process of going through an extensive amount of rehab that I had to kind of go back to. So it, that was just on my, what was happening in my life that gave me an understanding that that wasn't enough but yeah. Um, so yeah so like anything or I think as well it's also if 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 you think well I'm not I it's not my well I mean you should still be interested in it but it would also what you could also do is work with a physiotherapist so if you know that that person has had a mummy MOT for example or any sort of pelvic floor you know assessment then you could get a bit of guidance from them so it can work that way too that um you know it's good to have that knowledge base yourself but if you're working with someone else who can help you then that that can also work well too and I think it's the same we're talking postnatal but I think there's a lot of menopause experts around nowadays because it's a very hot topic and I think again doing a, a couple of hours training on it isn't doesn't make you an expert and it's and there's no one menopause is the same there is no one size fits all for anyone so it's if someone's claiming to be an expert then it's just maybe taking that with a little pinch of salt and you know finding out what they really know yeah exactly I think that's a really good thing I think a lot of my clients especially you know I've had clients that have gone to you that have recommended you and other um you know people around in physio in all aspects it's like we can work together you know we both we have your own remit area and then together it can be such a great combination especially if there is certain things that are maybe a little bit more complex or need to think about um and you know you would have your vision and view on on one aspect and you know I would have mine and then sometimes together it can be this just magical thing that that person you know our client jointly needs to get them to like over the line to where they want to go um so I think sometimes even just knowing that people can work in combination um is is great um it can be like that light bulb like oh I never thought of that um so yeah that's something I would say as well 
Yeah, and it makes my work a lot easier and easier is not the right word, but like if I know that someone's come for a postnatal check and we've talked through things and then they're going back to someone like yourself where I don't then have to, I say, right, you know what you're doing with Claire. She knows what she's doing. These are the things I would suggest you modify and then off you go. You, they're much you're much better placed to progress that rehab from that point of view um, than than I am. So yeah, I think we all have our strengths and I guess that's what all of it comes down to is knowing your limitations and knowing your strengths and having, it's part of that village again, isn't it? Of the people that um, that you work with and the people that um, you know are gonna kind of be on the same wavelength and um, support women in the same in the similar kind of way yeah totally is there anything else that you want to share with our lovely listeners I just think the main thing is if you, you know your own body so if something doesn't feel right and so often I will see women who have been through various health professionals and maybe you know from a medical point of view we can do tests and we can um do scans and things and and those often come back fine. Like there's there's nothing sinister, which is great. But people are women are still left feeling like something doesn't feel right. Um, you know your body, so if something doesn't feel right, keep asking for that help until you you know get the answers that you need, and don't don't put up with things and don't blame yourself. Hundred percent agree. Thanks, Fiona, so much for coming on the podcast. It was really insightful. And of course, thank you to the lovely listeners for taking the time to listen to this episode. I hope you have taken something from this episode that has helped in some way. And if you want to get in touch with either one of us, I will pop our contact details in the show notes. And I look forward to meeting you again on the next episode. <laughs>